Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? I learned that from the Nancy Drew detective. Okay, go. You think you can follow the clues and solve the case of the missing condiment, Nancy Drew? Because I've read every Nancy Drew mystery ever written. Nancy, please tell me you're joking. Wow, you suck at this Nancy Drew stuff. You should get a new hobby. My name is Carson Drew, and this is my assistant, Nancy. Nancy. Nancy Regular Drews, welcome to episode 52. Hello, everyone. We've got some very special guests with us today. Yes, we have Alexa and Candace from River Heights Buzz joining us to talk about Secret of the Old Clock, the Her Interactive PC game. Welcome, you guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank, and thank you. Thank you for having us, too, because this is going to be a two-parter episode where we're going to be covering part one over here and then part two over on River Heights' Buzz, River Heights Buzz's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Secret of the Old Clock is the 12th PC game from Her Interactive. It was released um, on July 12th, 2005, for the 75th anniversary of the creation of Nancy Drew. Very, very exciting. Very cute, I think, you know, for, you know, considering that that was the premise. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys feel about it? I was really excited for this one. I remember when it, like, when they first announced it, like, seeing the trailer for it at the end of Blackmore, I was so excited to have more games based off the original books, which, of course, this is based off the first four. So I, I thought it was a great premise idea. The game itself, we'll talk about it, but yeah. What about you guys? Um, yeah, I think it was it was good um, because as some of you all may know, most of the first games were um, not based off of the original books. They were based off of a different series of the books, a little bit more of a mature version of Nancy. Um, so this really was getting back to her roots of where she started. Um, and I remember thinking at first it was kind of weird because it was like we were going back in time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it works for this game, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's obviously we're so, <laughs> we're so used to, you know, like the more modern day kind of Nancy in the games, but I think it was kind of cool that we went back to like the th- 1930s and being able to like experience all of that time frame of things that were going on and that kind of thing. So I thought that that was kind of cool, at least to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, I don't know, it's also a double-edged sword a bit, because obviously these are modern games, right? This was released in 2005. And so I think they did a lot of really good things. I think they really did a good job of like with, you know, the dialogue and kind of the plot in setting us in like a, a real place in a real time. But the like... The some of the character design and like the location design, I think, was not super great at that. Um, specifically, like 
like just like the architectures and the buildings, I was like, this doesn't look like a house from the 1930s. You know what I mean? And some of it just really took me out of that. And so like as a premise, I think it was great and, you know, a great homage to the um, original stories. But in execution, <laughs> I think it was a little shaky, maybe. That makes sense. So do we want to come up with three words or three small phrases that we think kind of encapsulate what um, this game is? Golf. Golf. Yes. Golf. golf. Yes. <laughs> and then I think like, you know, maybe like history or, or something like historic. Yeah. Historic golf. And then Alexi said hidden tunnels. That's a good one. Um, Sabotage. Yeah. Sabotage inevitably always ends up being one of our three words. Yeah. <laughs> because that is the only like crime that's ever like actually committed in these. I mean, like, of course, you know, theft and vandalism, you can say, but it's all because they're sabotaging Kidnapping. something. It's always sabotage. Yeah. Kidnapping is so rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that's good. You want to go ahead and jump into the summary? Absolutely. Okay. So at the very start of the game, a very 1930s like radio announcer voice um, tells us that Nancy's friend Emily Crandall has invited us out to the Lilac Inn for some reason. Um, she hasn't told us why, but she just wants us to come out. But potentially it has something to do with the fact that her mother died recently um, and left Emily the Lilac Inn with only the help of a guardian to run it. Um, apparently her father died in World War One. Um, so we are driving to the Lilac Inn, and as we approach, we see another car in the drive of the inn, um, which is interesting, might be important later. Um, and then upon entering the inn, we speak to Jane Willoughby, who is Emily's guardian. Um, apparently, Jane was Emily's mother's best friend back in quote-unquote Capital City. <laughs> no, I don't know what that, where that was supposed to be. Um, and we kind of learn a few things in this conversation with Jane. We learn that Emily turns 18 in three months, um, at which point Jane will no longer be her guardian. We also learn that the Lilac Inn is known for its pies, um, which that's interesting. Um, we also, Jane also tells us that Carson has called for us, um, and that we need to call Carson back. Um, and also that Emily didn't tell Jane that we were coming here until just this morning. Um, and Jane kind of alludes to the fact that this is because um, Emily has been like forgetful and like seems like off lately and that she's been kind of like scattered. Um, so she kind of attributes it to maybe it's just because of the loss of her mom or something. But clearly something's weird. Um, and maybe that has something to do with why we're here. Yeah, which I mean, that makes sense considering she's only 17 years old and now she has very... <laughs> real and adult things that she's going to have to be dealing with. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense why she would be forgetful. <laughs> yeah. It seems obviously like I would assume that the inn is closed for the time being until everything gets settled. Yeah. That's an interesting point. We don't ever really know about that. And, and, and certainly that's the way true. that they kind of make it seem like is they seem like there's lots of stuff going on and it's busy. And when the, well, when the stove explodes later they're like we have to shut the inn down but it's like there's no other guests that we see we meet there doesn't 
seem to be very many guest rooms if the layout of the inn is any indication. And so it's just like, where are these people? Where are they hiding? And if this is a functioning inn, why is it a big deal when all this bad... If it isn't a functioning inn, then why is it a big deal when all this bad stuff happens? Like, it doesn't seem like that Yeah, <laughs> stressful. Yeah, I don't that's know. That's a good point. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, because wasn't Emily's mom, like, previously a dressmaker? So she wasn't doing that anymore and was doing the inn? Mm-hmm. Was she doing it by herself? Like... Yeah. There's some unknowns there. (laughs) Never even considered that. (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, I, you know, it's not huge, but I would assume it would take obviously more than one person because, Mm -hmm. I mean, meals and cleaning and general upkeep and. I mean, presumably Emily helped a little bit with with stuff, but we don't really know to what extent. And it does. The game certainly makes it seem like she's been kind of thrown into the deep end. Um, So can't have been, she can't have been that involved, you know? So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah, there's no, there's no other staff that we see. And at the end, we even talk about like, you know, hiring staff or whatever. So it's like, who's, who's baking the pies? Like, presumably (laughs) that was, you know, her mother, Gloria, but who's baking the pies now? Like they're known for their pies, right? Why? Who, how are? What? I guess it's Jane. <laughs> or but unless, just, but <laughs> unless they had like a cook or something, and he just took the day off, or like is not coming in for now until it gets busier. But so. we're still doing the pie delivery for sure. We are because we—that's a puzzle that we have to do. And, yeah, that's true. and loading it in the car and then at the end with the pie truck and everything. So it's still very much, that's, that's <laughs> a, gr- wow, plot hole. Yeah. Yeah, because I was just thinking, well, maybe it was off season, but the weather is really good the whole time. So <laughs> you wouldn't think it would be off season. So you would think that there would be yeah. lots of activity. Interesting. Well, okay. Well, so we go upstairs and we talk to Emily um, she and Nancy kind of bond over the shared loss of their mothers. Um, and Emily asks us a favor. She wants us to take her mother's jewelry back home and lock it in our safe um, because she doesn't have a safe or any way to keep the jewelry secure. And she's also clearly spooked and like worried about something because she keeps like pausing and thinking that she hears someone and she thinks someone's like listening to this conversation. So she like whispers, right? Things are very weird. Um, she says also that strange things have been happening recently, but she doesn't give us a full explanation of what that is at this particular moment, because just after she, you know, says that like strange things are happening, um, we hear a large explosion. Um, then there's a shout from Jane downstairs that the kitchen is on fire. And so we have to evacuate the building. Um, pretty, yeah, pretty soon after that, we learn that what has happened is that the kitchen exploded. Um, it's been completely destroyed. There's smoke damage everywhere, um, which means that the Lilac Inn has to be shut down for months, maybe even for good. Um, the fire chief apparently said it looked like a burner on the gas stove was left on and then something made a spark and, you know, kaboom. Um, but fingers crossed that the inn's insurance company will cover, uh, the cost for the repairs, um, which is kind of a big plot point in this as well. 
Oh, Jane does tell us, yeah, that Emily was the last one in the kitchen and probably the one who left the burner on. Um, but she says, like, it's no wonder because she's been so forgetful lately with the stress of losing her mom. And she's trying to run the inn by herself, basically. And Jane feels like she's no help. and Poor me and all this stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, she essentially threw her under the bus. Yes, immediately. Right. And she tries to make it play it off by like making it seem like she's being caring because like, yeah. well, you know, it's no wonder like she lost her mom and everything. But she's definitely like, it's all her fault. It's uh -huh. all Emily. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's so shady right there. <laughs> and as you were just explaining all of that, it just made me realize that not only do we have two Janes in a row, because we had a Jane in yeah. Curse of Blackmore Manor and a Jane in this um game but we also had two kitchen explosions essentially that's true in a row. You're right you're right <laughs> it, that literally just hit me while i was sitting here it's like wow hmm. that's a great point great observation i wonder if <laughs> a very easy hadn't... way to not have to animate an extra area yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing too, yeah. like you know, there's obviously when you walk in you see Jane's podium, right? Where she's standing. But then there's like it looks like there's an extra way, like hallway past her and the kitchen. Like what's mm -hmm. what obviously we don't get to go down there, oh. but like what's down there? Maybe that's yeah. where all the mysterious missing guest rooms are. It's like, the dining room. There's only like three oh, well that too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess but we could talk about the location a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can, if you want. Corey, go ahead. Yeah, so um, for the Lilac Inn itself, when you walk in, um, like Alexa was saying, there's just that um, podium in the center, and that's where Jane's standing, I guess, to, like, check in guests. And off to the right is the door to the kitchen, which, of course, we don't have access to, especially after the kitchen explosion. And then on the left is um, just, like, a little seating living room area. There's, like, a little um, game in there that we have to play. Um, and then there is, like, a built-in couch as well. Um, which is kind of fun. And then a clock that we have to use as a puzzle as well to get something out of. Um, but then if you, um, once later in the game, Jane moves and you see that there's a little a sign back there that shows that, you know, dining room this way. So I uh, guess that all that's back there is the dining room yeah. for the kitchen. And then upstairs, we just have, I think, four doors and we only get to go in one of them, which is uh, Emily's bedroom. Right. Yeah. And so presumably one of those is Emily's bedroom and one of them is Jane's bedroom or was Gloria's bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. And then you would think there's probably a bathroom somewhere. It's right. the 1930s. So there's so going to be an one... indoor bath of some kind. And and then one other door? <laughs> one guest room. That's it. <laughs> they make most yeah. of their profit off of pies. Something that bugs me with these games is like there's very rarely that you see an actual room to a bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or if you do, you, you of course can't go into it, but they, they shut the door and then you hear Nancy talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They get better about that in later way. games. Yeah. Yeah, it is, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's weird that this is an inn and they're selling pies, so they're obviously moving money and they don't have a safe. Yeah. Like, you're going to make great observations. You're going to have money changing hands obviously no credit cards or anything like that because it doesn't exist but mm -hmm. why do you not have a safe that seems weird maybe they do but just jane has access to it and emily doesn't want anyone else to have access to oh, it although that could be it. 
She has no reason to suspect Jane would do anything, of course, but... Or does she? Or does she? But, I mean, <laughs> as we're about to learn, I mean, Nancy and her father yeah. would have access to it still. Like, someone's still going to have access to it, no matter whose safe she puts it in, I guess. But Right, yeah. she's about who she trusts. But You're also, right, though. Maybe they don't have one. She could go to the bank as well. Like, it seems like she's got a somewhat decent relationship with, you know, Jim Archer, because, you know, we go talk to him later, so, like... Why doesn't she ask Kim? Like, what? Why has she called us? Because also at this point in, like, you know, the lore of this particular game, this is Nancy's first mystery. She hasn't solved a mystery before this. Um, And there's kind of a conversation with her and Carson about that later. But, like, you know, why why call Nancy to do it? Yeah. I mean, maybe she just trusts the fact that his her dad is an attorney. So he must mm. be trustworthy. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. But I mean, I feel like you're you're banking on a lot there because, you know, just because you're an attorney doesn't necessarily mean that you're trustworthy. Yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that uh, kind of strange how we get there, but. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, so, um, oh, right. So after we finish talking to Jane, she has to go outside uh, to take a call on a pay phone. And upstairs, we hear Emily shout, oh, no. Um, so we go upstairs. And, of course, we learn that Emily's mother's jewelry has been stolen. Of course, we set it up. We knock it down, right? Yeah. <laughs> we do. We knew this was going to happen because she was worried about her mother's jewelry being stolen. And so now it's happened. Her mother's jewelry has been stolen. Um, she's upset about this, but she doesn't seem surprised, um, because this is where she tells us, you know, that stuff like this has happened before. Um, she's kind of reluctant to talk about it. Um, she is adamant that she didn't leave the stove on though. Um, but now that her mother's jewelry is gone and she can't afford to buy a new stove and like without the stove, she'll have to sell the inn, which she doesn't want to do. She goes kind of on this little spiral and she just like exclaims like oh that josiah crowley right and she laments and this this is where we learn about josiah crowley right she laments that he who was her old neighbor died last year um and said that he was going to leave the money but he didn't so she's upset about that that he didn't follow through on what he said he was going to do um he does he did give them a clock before he died though and he would always point to it and say time will tell um, but when he passed and they found his will, time didn't tell. <laughs> there was nothing left in the will for that. Um, she does mention that it did take them a while to find his will in his house, though. Um, but she kind of brushes this off by saying that Josiah was a screwball and he had weird hobbies. Um, and she tells us that he even invited a man named Richard Topham to come live in his house um, and teach him how to read minds. Um, and that Richard Topham still lives there now because in the will that they found, it turned out that he left, uh, that Josiah left everything to him, including his house. So he's still there. Um, she does tell us, to an interesting bit of lore, that the inn and Josiah's house were built at the same time by two brothers around the Civil War. Oh. <laughs> I only mention that. Um, because it is a very clear reference to The Hidden Staircase, which is a book that Corey and I just Yeah, we're on a Hidden Staircase kick right now. So Yeah, so that is that is a reference to The Hidden Staircase. Um, after we're finished talking to Emily here, she asks us to go to the bank to talk to Jim Archer about her, mother, her mother's jewelry and ask if it was insured because 
it's been stolen. So now she wants to see if she can also make a claim to the insurance company about this. A very fast turn of events. Um, and I think it's also interesting that Jim Archer is in this um, game and is pictured as an older character because we know him as Helen Corning's fiance, which uh-huh. would make you assume he was obviously a much younger man. I've chosen to believe that he is Jim Archer Sr. and the ah. fiance is actually his son. Oh. So this is like Helen's father-in-law to be. That's the way I make that sense of it, but... Yeah, I hope that that's not who <laughs> Helen ends up with because he's not yeah. not super age appropriate, right? So, no. <laughs> well, in later in the bank, there's a picture of like a woman next standing next to a car, and he talks about like we ask like we ask him if that's his car, and mm-hmm. so and he's like, yeah, it is. So presumably that's his wife. Helen's got a hot mom. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just, I was like, is that Helen Corning? I was like, and she was very attractive. I was like, dang. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what the choice was there to give him that name. That's very uh, unexpected, I guess. It must've just been because they wanted to make another reference and they're like, we need some random character (laughs) male name. And it was like, oh, what about Jim Archer? And they're like, great. Because Helen's not in it, so it doesn't matter. But what a missed opportunity, because I love Helen. And I, I love wish Helen would have been in this, at least as a phone contact. It would have made so much sense, because they, they even reference her at the beginning that she's our mutual friend that we know Emily through. So mm-hmm. they could have, but oh well. Yeah. <sighs> okay, Corey, do you want to take it at all? Sure. Okay. Um, so at this point, we need to call Carson. So we go back to that payphone on the front porch of the Lilac Inn. Um, and he, he asks us if we can run into town, into Titusville, and do an errand for him. Um, he also gives us some uh, instructions on how to drive our roadster in the 1930s. It's a very, very important uh, feature in this game <laughs> that you don't hit too many potholes. You don't run out of gas. You don't get a flat tire. Uh, at this point, we do get to go down um, down the path a little bit around the Lilac Inn. Back there, we do find a golf course, uh, like a miniature golf course back there. Um, and then if you keep going down the path, we see like a little um, detached garage and then another house. Um, we enter the house and we meet Richard Topham, who was living with Josiah Crowley up until the time that he died. That's another thing about like the house, right? Where it's like, there's like the living room area, I'm assuming. And then there's like at least one bedroom. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, and then it's yeah. Josiah. And, where's um, the kitchen? Where's the where's bathroom? The kitchen? Where at least have another bedroom. <laughs> like, where's the bathroom? All these questions yeah, it is about a weird this house. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking because you mentioned about the essentially detached garage. Um, and I was looking to see if that is actually correct based on when the house was built because they said around Civil War time. Um, and it says uh, from a quick Google search, which Google is my best friend. Um in the 1910s and 1920s is when it started. So maybe that's just uh, a more recent addition to the area just as a way to try to explain it. But I was curious when that kind of became a thing, because I felt like 1800s was probably a bit too early. Well, they would have had carriage houses. Yeah. Cause there's like little areas. And also a barn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So we meet Richard. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know how you all feel about the mini golf course. 
It's it's tedious. It's very tedious. Listen, I don't dislike playing the golf. It's not horrible or anything. It's a little clunky and weird. And it's not too difficult to do once you, you know, figure it out. Maybe you have to do it a couple times to, to succeed, but it's not hard or anything. But it's the design of it that kills me. Because, again, this is kind of, this is what I was talking about a little bit before. This is, there is no, you cannot convince me that there is any way that this golf course was built, like, in the 1930s or, like, pre-19. That is a 2005 golf course with, like, the crazy magenta colors and, like, the weird, like, swirly. Is that, you cannot, that's not Art Deco. That's not Art Nouveau. What is that? That's, like. (laughs) That's like crappy early 2000s, big, bold, like, print. Right. Like, that is... <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it looks, it's so out of place. It's so out of place. So I just Googled again, when did mini golf start? Oh, <laughs> and it says that the first known documented game was actually June 8th, 1912. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. So but... that could track. But again, never designed. the first mini golf course opened in North Carolina in 1961. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so maybe it was just because Josiah, you know, you know, he had his weird hobbies and mm-hmm. apparently had money. You can build a, a mini golf course if you want. He was ahead of his time. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Mind in 2005. When you guys were playing like on, on hole six, it was like obviously like there's some of them that are in like two parts essentially, and mm-hmm. like so there's where the hole is on hole six. There's like a second spot like that a ball can come out of, and I was like, where mm-hmm. in the heck is this? Like, can you get that? But we'll find that out later, <laughs> towards the end of the game. <laughs> and I'm like, it was oh, driving yeah. me crazy. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we enter this very, very bizarre-looking home with all of its weird little buildings outside of it, and we meet Richard Topham. Actually, he greets us by name, even though we haven't met him before. He shouldn't know our name, but uh, we have to really quickly find a mouse for his cat, Yuri, who um, doesn't like strangers and just me- meows uncontrollably unless he has his favorite little mouse. Yuri is my favorite. He's a very sweet little He's kitty. my favorite character in this, in this game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we learn about uh, Richard Topham's what he calls his cerebral emanations. So he is not a good enough reason to use the word emanation. No, it's not. <laughs> he is a psychic essentially, and he is—he's got these telekine- telekinetic powers where he can move things with his mind. Um, also, like it, like implant ideas into someone's mind, so like communicate non-verbally. Oh, gosh, this is so strange. And he also has this school where he teaches other people to do this. Um, in fact, he moved into uh, Josiah Crowley's home because Josiah, they like met when they were at lunch one day at the Lilac Inn. And Josiah was like, why don't you come move in with me so that we can like spend full time <laughs> teaching how to what do these things. A screwball indeed. A screwball yes. indeed. <laughs> Um, we actually learned later though, that he was at the Lilac Inn right after the fire and happened to run into Emily and she told him who we were. Mm -hmm. So that's how he knew who we were when we came in the door. 
Um, but he's really <laughs> rude. Like, he is not the nicest guy. He calls us intellectually unendowed and refuses to speak to us until we can, like, solve a series of puzzles to prove that we're, like, worthy of speaking to him and that we won't deplete his intellectual, intellectual capabilities by having a conversation oh. with him. Also, <sighs> this it's guy. just, like... The world's most, like, stupid, like, puzzles, too. Like, it's, like, they're those little, like, I guess, brain, whatever you call them, where they, like, I I don't even, I'm sure there's a specific name for them, but they're, like, little brain teasers. And it's, like, you get Mm -hmm. those in, like, you know, like, third grade (laughs) to do. Yeah, those are pretty easy. Yeah. Well, we solved those very simple little puzzles, and he agrees to talk with us. Um, we talked to him about Josiah Crowley, and he tells he tells us that no, there's there's no way that like you could construe this as me like forcing him to give me all of his money or like tricking him into um, leaving everything to me. I was his only real friend, you know. Everybody else only talked to him and liked him because he had all this money. I was his true friend, and so it's right that I was left everything in the will. Um, he does give her, give us permission though to look around the Crowley house a little bit more. Um, we see that he was or that Josiah was an inventor, and he's got all sorts of crazy little inventions around the house. Um, he was also obsessed with a Midsummer Night's Dream, um, and we learned that he actually played Puck in an onstage show of it. Um, and he has a lot of um, little clues and puzzles that he's just left behind. We go back into town. We do that. Uh, Aaron for Carson and um, we just have to pick up some papers from a telegraph office for Carson but we do get the opportunity to earn some money by delivering telegrams throughout the game Um, it's (laughs) actually a pretty uh, I don't know I think it's tedious but it's a way to earn money in the game if you need it (laughs) yeah (laughs) the only the only positive about delivering the telegrams is the references that you get from visiting all the different locations but even that is kind of just like eh I mean, especially if you don't get half of them, which I didn't. So it's like, cool, but I don't know what this is referring to. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And at least you can't get fired from it. Yeah, that's that's true. true. That's That's true. true. I think it was probably an easy way um, for them to extend game time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so our map of Titusville, we have the whole town. You can go to pretty much all of the locations. And when you get there to deliver the telegram, they'll say little references to um, to the books. Not always to Nancy Drew books, though. Like, there's some other books that get referenced. But a lot of the locations are locations from the books as well. Um, so we drive around town a little bit. After we go to the telegraph office, we talk to Jim Archer at the bank. And he tells us the recent stock market crash and the Great Depression has um, has things pretty bad, especially things here in town. Um, he says that the Lilac Inn, because it's a small business, um, he you know he's concerned about it doing well, especially now that Emily's trying to run it herself. Uh, but he tells us that his bank is doing great. Don't worry about it. We're doing great over here at the bank. Um, no, no effects from the Great Depression here. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't look over here. <laughs> well, we we do get to ask him about the jewelry, and he confirms that it was not insured. Um, Gloria uh, didn't end up uh, renewing her policy on it because she didn't think she would need to because she was expecting to inherit all the money from Josiah Crowley. Hold on. What kind of rationale is that for not renewing an insurance policy? Oh, I'm going to inherit some money so I don't need to insure my valuables? Who knows? Maybe the policy was just too expensive. Sounds like a a way to quickly lose all your, your, you know, inherited Mm -hmm. money. (laughs) Right. Anyway. Yes. So she didn't re-up the insurance policy on her jewelry, unfortunately. Um, But 
Joe, uh, Jim does tell us that he was the executor of Josiah's will, which is interesting information. Um, he tells us he was also expecting to be left money from Josiah, but he wasn't. Um, he also explains that the reason that it took so long to find his will in the first place was that it was actually hidden in Josiah's house. And it took Jim. Jim was actually the one who found it, and it took him forever to find it. Um, and Josiah also always, or not also, Josiah always said that he would tell Jim where he left his will. Like he told that to him while he was alive, when the time was right. Um, interesting. <laughs> Um, also, he tells us that Josiah Crowley took out a safety deposit box at the bank three years ago, um, and Topham has since tried to claim it after Josiah died, but he can't find the key, and so it remains unopened. We don't know what's inside the security deposit box, or safety deposit box. We also talk to him because we see the picture of his car in his office, and we realize, oh, hey, that's the car that we saw outside the lilac inn. Um, before the fire started that was gone after we left, you know, after the fire. And so we ask him about it. Um, and he's cagey in his responses. <laughs> he's like, um, you know, why would I be at the Lilac Inn? What are you talking about? So it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, also in Josiah's office is a picture of someone named Clara Pickford, um, who is like, si it's like signed. Um, and he says that, like, yeah, she was someone who used to come into the bank uh, frequently a while ago, and um, she stopped recently, which is weird, but she insisted on leaving me, like, a signed picture of herself, and so I've hung it in my office. <laughs> it's very <laughs> odd, um, but it will, of course, be relevant later. Also in uh, Jim's office is a big, ornate clock that isn't working, um, but we can eventually uh, get it open. Um, by finding a key somewhere, I think. I don't remember where. Isn't that, we get the key from something, don't we? What do we win the key in? I know that there's I a key. I want to say we find oh, it. Oh, no, it's the jewelry oh. store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Wait, the key yeah we get appraised. It. Yeah, yeah. We buy it because we find the receipt flap right. flowing in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> that you have to catch. There so. we go. Yeah. Uh, okay, so after we do a little bit more in the game, doing some puzzles and delivering telegrams and all the things that we need to do, we go back to the end and we learn from Emily that she is upset right now because a picture on the wall moved all by itself. Um, she tells us that actually last week a book fell off the shelf by itself and she's been hearing weird noises all the time. There's been creepy whispers just coming from nowhere. Um, she's been hearing this every single day for a little while now. Um, Nancy tries to comfort her by telling her that she thinks that um, Josiah Crowley did have another will all along, and um, the one that they'd found previously was actually a forgery. Um, but Emily tells her, you know, I think that you should probably just go home, give up on this thing. Um, you, you don't need to be here for this, basically. But Nancy's like, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to figure out what happened to this will. <laughs> so Emily lets her stay. Um, so we explore a little bit longer and we find a secret passageway that's, um, that leads from that couch that's built in, in the living room. Um, so we actually were able to like pull something on the, the drape, the thing that holds the drape open. We pull that and it like opens this lever that opens up the seat of the couch and we can go down a stairway there. And there's a long tunnel that appears to have been used 
somewhat recently, at least since the house was built, because there are electric lights running through this tunnel. Um, we also find a little, um, like a puzzle in the corner that you do the puzzle and you find a record just inside this like box in the wall, which is very strange. And then we come to the end of the tunnel and we find another ladder there. We climb up the ladder. We realize that we are directly under Josiah ha Crowley's house. Um, this long mm. tunnel connects the two homes. So clearly another reference to the hidden staircase. Wonderful. Um, we hear uh, Topham talking to his cat in there so we don't go in, in the house right now. Of course, we have to like sneak in later so that he doesn't see us come in. At this point, I think we have all the clocks that we need. Um, so we un we have to do some more puzzles to unlock the clocks, but we get a mirror from each one of the clocks. And then if we're able to do another puzzle to unlock the barn door, garage door, whatever this building is, we go in there and we can set up this like light system with the mirrors so that it lights up this, what is it, a spectrometer? What do they call it? I don't know, but it's the most annoying animation and it does it every okay, yeah. single time. You have yeah. to go out there and I have to yeah. pull my hair out. <laughs> they were clearly very very proud of that animation <laughs> he worked very hard on this animation and it like whenever you get it working basically it like lets this staircase down or this ladder down from the ceiling and you can climb up into the loft in the barn where we find more clues that tell us that we have to get a key out of the brim of whatever his hat's name is marcel because he yeah. named his hat because he's an eccentric old man <laughs> he's funky like that yes <laughs> Um, so we go and we find Josiah's hat, we find the we find Marcel, we find a key in the brim of the hat, and it is a safe deposit box key. So mm. we bring the key to Jim Archer at the bank and he lets us um he lets us like go in and open up the safe deposit box. Um but we also during this conversation we learn that he had lied to us earlier. Actually, the bank is not doing super well th with the Great Depression. Um actually he was really hoping that Josiah Crowley's money would help with the bank and everything and actually he was talking to Topham earlier that day hoping that he could get a loan so that's why his car was outside of the lilac inn um we also learned that he really wants to get a dress for his wife who may or may not be Helen Corning but he can't really <laughs> afford to pay a dressmaker so he makes Nancy uh sew the dress for us um or he asked us to um go to Jane because she used to be a dressmaker so we go to Jane and we ask for her help with the sewing and she's like Nancy, I haven't sewn in so long. I don't even remember how to work a sewing machine. Like, you know, Ooh. that's one of those things that you forget in instantly upon not doing it anymore, right? Just like not a bike. Not like riding a bike at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very technical. I can't, I can't even sew a stitch anymore. What is thread? It's been, it's been five years. <laughs> so long so nancy ends up having to sew the dress but once we finish the dress he lets us go in and open the safe deposit box um let's see oh sorry i forgot this part whenever we um whenever we go and ask her about the sewing machine she gives us gloria's old sewing box with the thread and needle and everything and that's where we find the picture oh no when she leaves to go get the box that's when we find the picture of the brothers that um they are kind of hanging out by a staircase in the tunnel, but yeah. we didn't see that staircase in the tunnel earlier. Um, so that's very interesting. That's like, even when Nancy was going up in that kind of like secret tunnel that we find, she's like, yeah. she's, it seems like she seems really jumpy. And I'm like, like, I no, get it. That it's, tunnel is spooky. And it's like, there's yeah, no yeah. hardly any light <laughs> that you can see where you're supposed to be going. And it's like, 
at least have some kind of lantern or something or other. At least one or two. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 I will give it give props to the, you know, game developers here. That is a spooky tunnel. Like there is, is like creepy yeah. sounds of dirt moving. Sometimes you'll hear footsteps like that aren't yours. Right. Um and and also the yeah, but the only critique that I have of that is the music doesn't change when you go into the tunnel. Oh, yeah. So, like, you're it just should. upstairs. <laughs> you're just upstairs, and it's got, like, the, you know, kind of upbeat walking around the inn music. And then you go down into the tunnel, and it's still the upbeat walking around the inn music, except you're also hearing, like, really weird noises. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like, uh... <laughs> if they had just committed a little bit extra to the soundtrack there... It would have been excellent, but alas. Oh, well. Um, so we do go back down into the tunnel, and we're able to, after seeing where the brothers were standing in the photograph, we were able to figure out that there's another lever that we didn't see earlier that opens up another portion of the secret passageway. Um, once we get that door open, we're, we find another hidden staircase, and mm. that puts us up on this little landing, which we realize is directly behind the wall in Emily's room. Meaning that you're able to, from your little position in the secret passageway, use your hand to, like, move that picture aside to spy on her and see what she's doing. And, of course, if you're, like, breathing or anything like that, move it around, you can hear it from Emily's room, which explains why she feels like she's been watched. Because she's being watched. Because she has been watched. Because <laughs> yeah. somebody's peeping on her through a peephole in her ah! wall. A 17-year-old girl. Ugh. Ew. Not okay. The implications are Not okay. big ick. Yeah. 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 So, of course, we have to go confront Jane about this because it's like, you had that picture right there. Um, how did you not know about the secret passageway um but jane is very defensive and she's like you know a thousand people walk by here every single day because there's so many people staying in our one bedroom and so many people in the dining room that's been exploded obviously <laughs> there's people all around all the time anyone could have seen that photo <laughs> Um, in fact, anybody could have seen that photo except me because i had never seen it before now i've never seen that before in my life <laughs> Get it away There's from me. There's lots of stuff behind this podium. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's not like I stand here 24-7. Right. <laughs> I will say, though, it uh, it seems to me like it would you could really easily play it off as though you had no clue where that picture was taken, though, because it's just a tunnel. And if you didn't know that the tunnel existed at all, which right. maybe she didn't. She's only been here for a few months, I guess. Like... But the back of the photo gives instructions on where to find the tunnel. <laughs> so, oh, like, it does. Oh, it, never mind. It says like bench <laughs> under or stairs under bench or something oh, in living I room. Missed, I missed <laughs> that one. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> oh. um, but uh, Jane also tells us that Emily has gone into town to run some errands. So now we have the opportunity to do a little bit of snooping. So hold on one second. Is that... The last time that we can ever speak to Emily in the game is when she tells us about the, um, like, before she goes to leave on these errands. Because after this, I was never able to see her in her room again. Oh, that's a good point. I don't think we did. I don't think I was able to see her. And it's just such a weird, <laughs> a weird way to kind of just, like, leave that character. Like, she's the one that we're supposed to be caring about who is in, like, this, you know 
hard situation, you know, we're supposed to be connected with her through Nancy, like, you know, the grief of losing a mother or whatever. And then it's just like, we never see her again. (laughs) Bye. That is weird. Like she's mentioned, you know, in the final letter and everything, but I don't even think we see a picture of her there. There's no like, there's no real resolution. And it's, this is, this is an odd part for me, but I kept wanting to like go back and talk to her about all the stuff that we were finding and doing. But every time I go up to her room, she'd just be gone. (laughs) I'd be like, guess she's still in town. (laughs) I don't know. Hmm. That's a good point. Um, But yeah, so since, um, since Emily has gone into town to run errands, we can of course take advantage of this opportunity to go snoop in her room. Um, And we can look more like in the drawer underneath the window seat where she sits, because that's where all of um, her mother's like keepsakes are. As well as, you know, stuff that Josiah gave to Gloria. Um, So we find in that drawer a little note from Josiah to Gloria that has some, like, cryptic phrases on there that we'll need to actually solve the old clock puzzle in the barn. There's also a letter from Jane to Gloria um, that they're kind of talking about, I guess, whatever preparations that Gloria made in the event of her death. And Jane said that she'd take absolutely take care of Emily if anything happened to Gloria, but don't worry, you're going to be fine. Um, she also tells us a little bit, Jane also tells us a little bit about her life and where she's living, um, which is a boarding house. Um, she tells us it's kind of sketchy though, because, um, there was a woman there named Marion who went through her purse recently that she found. So rude. Um, can't believe someone would do that right (laughs) yeah and so all of that kind of happens and eventually after we make end up doing the alterations to the dress we can go back into town give the dress to jim archer and get into the safety deposit box of josiah crowley's we're like okay come on it's gonna be a will it's gonna be the will it's gonna be the will it's not a will it's just a journal (laughs) another journal written by josiah Um, And because it doesn't seem to have any value to it, Jim just lets us keep it. This seems insane to me. I don't what kind of bank this is. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Just because it's not valuable to you, Jim Archer, doesn't mean it's not valuable. And it's like, if I had a diary that I went to the lengths of putting in a safety deposit box and some rando girl came up and was like, I found the key. It's like, sure, have whatever's inside. Nope. Excuse me, don't let someone read my private journal. Clearly, I wanted it kept here a secret for a reason. That's the Uh, point of the safe deposit box, so that random (laughs) girls can't just take your journal. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, well, well, we get it. I mean, it ends up being a good thing that we found it because, you know, it helps us, but whatever. Um, Inside of the journal, what we find is we read a communication between Josiah um, and some folks seemingly named after Midsummer Night's Dream characters um, and communication, you know, between Josiah and them from his radio. Okay, so what we realized that we saw a radio in the like upstairs of his barn building, right? So we can now go back in there and talk to them. Um, Once we do, it becomes clear that Josiah had given them each a cue from Shakespeare um, and that they should respond with a phrase when that cue is delivered. 
Unfortunately, we don't know what that is, and in order to find out, we have to sneak into Josiah's house to get a look at his copy of Midsummer Night's Dream, because Richard Topham won't let us look at it because it's so fragile, apparently. I don't know, it was a lame excuse. It seemed like he just wants to leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so now, okay, now is our time to go back down into the tunnel and use that ladder to get into the house um, while Richard Topham is distracted. Um, so we do that. Um, once we find that, we open the book and we see like circled cues um, that we can use to communicate that to our radio friends. Um, get their phrases, then translate them into hobo signs. Um, because I don't know why that is part what of the, the puzzle in this them. game. Yep. It, well, that's a real thing. I looked yeah. this up. Those are that was a real thing because oh, yeah. hobo culture like was a full thing in the 1930s, and they used signs to like communicate. You know, as they traveled, what areas were safe for them. Um, or just give each other information about the area um, in, in their community. And so we find a little thing that, you know, tells us what some of the signs mean. And if we use that, we can use that to unlock the giant clock in his barn. Because for some reason, he decided to have a giant clock built with, you know, those signs on it. <laughs> I don't, Obviously. I don't what happened to a good old-fashioned key man or like a combination lock? I don't know. He's an um, inventor. What else do you invent when you're an inventor? <laughs> um, but yeah, so once we open that, um, we find a golden golf ball and a note directing us to make a hole-in-one at Tiny Town. Um, and that is uh, one of the holes in Josiah's mini golf course, the hole that you were talking about, Alexa, that you could figure out how to get to. Um and once we are successfully able to do that, we get another safe deposit key. Um, but wait, Josiah didn't have a second safety deposit key, right? Right? Wrong. Because when we go back to the bank, oh, wait, on the way back to the bank to check, we actually overhear Emily and Jane talking with Emily clearly upset. Oh, just kidding. This is the last time we, we talked to Emily. I was wrong before. This is the last time. Yeah, you're right. That's okay. We're jumping around a little um, bit anyway. Yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. So on our way back to the bank to check, we overhear Emily and Jane talking, and Emily is clearly upset. Um, and so Jane tells us, well, go talk to her because, you know, I'm clearly no help at all in this situation. I'm just so clueless. I'm just some dumb Dora. Um, <laughs> useless. <laughs> um, what do they call that? Weaponized incompetence? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so we go up to her room and Emily tells us that um, she took a nap earlier. And when she woke up, one of her mother's necklaces was in her hand. Oh. <laughs> what? One of her mother's stolen, missing necklaces winds up in her hand. And so now, of course, she thinks, well, I'm must be going crazy. I'm having some kind of nervous breakdown. I am not remembering things. I am like, this is, th this is unreal. So, you know, you should just go home. Like, clearly this is a m me problem, not a you problem, right? Of course, we realize that, no, someone's definitely messing with you. <laughs> like, we saw the people in your wall. We know all this stuff, this elaborate, you know, puzzles that Josiah has set up to like tell people things but 
she won't let us, you know, explain anything to her. She's too upset at this point. So she tells us just, just go home, you know? And of course we will. Um, once we go to the bank to use the safe deposit. (laughs) And I think that's where we'll stop with the summary for now. Yes. So if you want to hear the end of this exciting, exciting mystery, you will have to wait until Tuesday, which y'all said you're going to have part two of this up on uh, February 21st. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So part two of this episode is going to be up, Tuesday, February 21st on River Heights Buzz's podcast. Uh, I know y'all have said this last time you're on, but do you want to give just like a real quick where they can find you and everything? Sure. Alexa, do you want to do that? Sure. Um, our Instagram is at River Heights Buzz. Our Twitter is at River Heights Buzz, uh, just one Z. <laughs> um, our email is riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook group, uh, the River Heights Buzz Podcast Central Buzz. Or you can check us out on like Spotify and that kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're all over the place. Excellent. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> really quick before we go, um, do you guys want to give us just a quick flashlight score? So we at the end of every episode, we score what we just covered from one to five flashlights. So one flashlight being, we hated it. It was really bad. (laughs) Two, five flashlights being, it's the best Nancy Drew thing we've ever experienced. Where would you guys rank the secret of the old clock game? (sighs) See, that's a tough one because it's never easy. We get to the end of every episode and it's always like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so the last time that I played this game, I played it on Steam and it said that the last time I had opened it was 2018. So it's been a minute since I've revisited it. And going into it, I was thinking that it wasn't one of my favorites. And I don't necessarily know that I would call it one of my favorites, but I feel like I enjoyed like the mini games and puzzles more this time playing it. Um, so if it's okay, I'd like to say three and a half. Oh, okay. it's absolutely okay. You can yeah. just score it whatever you want to score it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we, Corey and I have sometimes had very opposite responses to yeah. to certain things. So yeah, you you pick your your true score for you. Yeah, I'm gonna say three and a half out of five. Okay. Alexa? I would probably go with a probably go with a three. It's okay. obviously like not my top pick, like favorite, like I love the game and it's not like, oh my gosh, I hate the game. Like I don't want to play it anymore. It's kind of like in the middle of the road for me because it's like the balance of like, okay, some of the stuff, like the games I enjoy, kind of like what Candace was saying, other stuff I'm like, eh, not so much, but you know, <laughs> it's like a mix mm-hmm. of everything. So I'll, I'm going with three. It's so hard for me <laughs> because... If I'm thinking about all of the the rankings of, like, her interactive PC games, for me, this one rates very low. Um, yeah. Like, very low. Like, potentially one of the worst ones for me. Um, but, like, you know, all Nancy Drew things ever, including, like, Mystery at Crocodile Island, like, it's definitely better than that. So, three <laughs> does seem fair. But I also really don't want to give it a three, so I'll give it like a two point seven five flashlights. <laughs> just to be petty. Just to be petty. You know? 
Corey, what about you? I think I'm going to have to say two and a half. As I said at the beginning, I really liked the concept for this one, especially before yeah. I played it. Like when they announced it, I was like, I love that idea that you're going to take the first four books and combine them into one like mega old clock mystery. And so I I liked the, the idea behind that, but the reality of the game itself is not as fun as some of the other ones. Um, like we said, it's it's a little tedious in parts with the mini golf and all the driving and delivering telegrams and everything. So it, I don't know. A lot of the fun of the game is just like time filler, time waster. A lot of yeah. the time spent in the game is is less fun and more just time waster. So it's not it's not the best game, but that's all right. Also, like what time spent in the game? I don't know how long it guys you guys it's not took long. to play this one, but it took me four hours on this last playthrough, and I'm like, that is not long enough. Yeah. For yeah. for a game. Yeah. Especially if you cut out the time driving and playing mini golf, because those things are technically both optional. So it's right. Meh. So, yeah. Well, okay. before we go, Becky, do you want to tell them what we're going to cover for 53? So after part two of, of this episode? Um, yeah. So next up, we are actually going to be covering, we're going to go back to the hidden staircase again. And you might be thinking, you just covered the hidden staircase. What possibly more could you have to say about the hidden staircase oh we're actually going to be covering the 2019 hidden staircase movie with sophia lillis um and so yeah we hope that you guys will join us next time for that episode uh, i think it's an interesting one Corey and yeah. i actually had very opposite opinions about it yeah <laughs> And we act, the funny thing is, yeah. we've already covered that movie on our podcast. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. Oh, <laughs> really quick, just really quick. How do you guys feel about the movie as like a little jumping off point for our next episode? <laughs> I liked it. I mean, um, <laughs> I wasn't a fan. I mean, it's like the best. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's some stylistic choices that could have been different, but um, uh, you know, yeah, it, it was different. I do know, yeah, I it's do. modern day, obviously, but it's like, eh. yeah, I wasn't yeah. totally into it, hundred percent. So I actually loved it. <laughs> But you can hear all about that in our next episode, and we will see you guys then, regular Juice. <laughs> yep, see you then. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you like this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regularnancydrew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $3 level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our Scoop Sesh series. And all patrons receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.